0: Are You Just Watching is supported by our dearly loved listeners. Special thanks to Craig Hardy, Tim Martin, Richard French, and Stephen Brown II for their monthly support. To help support Are You Just Watching, please go to patreon.com slash are you just watching. Show notes for this episode can be found at are you just slash 69. Hey, this is Eve, Eve Franklin. That's right. No fancy intro this time. This topic is just too serious a subject for a musical intro. And to be honest, it's too heavy of an issue to be spoken about with enthusiasm and energy, which is the way I usually do a podcast. Are you just watching episode 69, 13 Reasons Why? Now, I don't know that many of you will have watched this. This is an original series on Netflix, a Netflix original. If you don't have Netflix, you don't have access to it unless somebody pirates it and puts it on YouTube, which I think I actually saw a couple of the episodes on YouTube. I don't know that it's necessary for you to watch it before you listen to this podcast, though And in my discussions, I will definitely spoil the story. I... Um, I think that this show, the series, is one that you can only watch if you're prepared to see what you're going to see in it. And if you're not prepared for it, um, you may just want to avoid it entirely. Let me watch it for you, tell you what was the highlights and, and what was the good and the bad, tell you the biblical worldview on what is discussed in this episode, and hopefully that will be enough because I honestly don't recommend it for the normal viewer. Some of the reasons I don't don't recommend it is because it's rated MA, which is for mature audiences only. And typically, we don't review that kind of stuff here at Are You Just Watching. Typically, we avoid things that uh, we can't watch ourselves. And the re- main reason why I went ahead and watched this show and decided to Uh, do a review on it, is because I work with teenage girls at church. I am a life group leader at a Baptist church, and I have high school girls uh, that I I mentor and teach. And last weekend in our Sunday school class, or life group, uh, one of the girls happened to mention she spent her spring break watching the show. And that she really, I don't know that she necessarily said she enjoyed it, but that it was really good. And she recommended it with the caveat that it had some bad things in it and those bad things are really bad language sexually explicit scenes nudity violence two rapes and a suicide all graphically portrayed so if you can't handle any of that stuff i don't recommend you watch this show however the subject of this show 13 reasons why if you haven't heard about it is It's all about 13 Reasons Why a teenage girl, a high school student, a beautiful girl with her whole life ahead of her commits suicide. It's based on a novel by Jay Asher by the same title, 13 Reasons Why, and each episode of the TV show deals with a, dif- a particular person that somehow wronged Hannah Baker. And my intro to this podcast is the way she starts 13 13 sides of seven tapes that she left behind after she committed suicide. She wanted them to be read by the people who drove her to kill herself. And they are required to do so. There are rules in which uh, if they don't listen to the tapes all the way and pass them on to the next person, there is someone else who is watching who will tape make all the tapes go public if they don't follow the rules. The protagonist of the story is not the girl who commits suicide. It's a young man named Clay who actually loved Hannah quite a great deal but he was a shy withdrawn sort of boy who never uh, pushed himself on her and was a little scared because she seemed to be a popular girl who really didn't want his attention and so he kind of stayed on the sidelines of her life instead of getting involved in her life and he gets the tapes which means since he received them that he's one of the 13 reasons why she committed suicide and he's agonizing as he listens through these cassette tapes through each reason trying to deal with the horrible things that happened to hannah and with the, I guess, intense fear of what it was that he did to her. Because some of the things that are on these tapes are absolutely horrible. And he doesn't, he can't think of what he ever did to her that would make her want to commit suicide. Now, I'm going to put in the links to this episode, uh, the Wikipedia article on 13 Reasons Why. It details each side of the tape. Uh, it gives you the uh, the synopsis of the 13 reasons that Hannah commits suicide. The spoiler, obviously, is that Clay is number 11. So he has to listen to through 10 sides of these tapes before he gets to his own tape and is basically let off the hook. But he has to listen through all of that. And how he handles each story that she tells is a testament to how he's trying to work his way through the horrors of what happened to this girl that he loved. Um, I'm not going to actually go into detail because you can find those details, as I said, in the Wikipedia article, if you're intrigued uh, by each of the, each of the reasons and you want to know without having to watch the series or read the book, um, which I have not read, so I can't tell you how explicit the book is then I highly recommend that you just go to the Wikipedia article and read the synopsis because it's a much cleaner uh, version of the story and you can get an idea of what drove Hannah to commit suicide without having to watch all of the the graphic stuff that's in the TV show. And it's free instead of having to pay for Netflix. Uh, I'm also going to post plugged in... Review of 13 Reasons Why. And yes, they do review TV shows as well as movies. We we're always talking about their reviews of movies, but they do also review TV shows. And one of the quotes I'm actually going to read from the, the end of their review because I think it's uh, highly important to, to make this comment before I go into my own in depth review of the series. This is what the pluggedin.com review says at the end Is it a well intentioned show? Yes, I think it's fair to say that it is, as far as that sentiment goes. 13 Reasons Why encourages viewers to really examine their own lives and how they treat people. That said, shows like this can also have unintended consequences. Those familiar with the issue of suicide know that the act itself can be strangely and sadly contagious. If someone commits suicide in a given school, the odds go up that someone else will attempt it, too. Why? There are lots of potential factors, psychologists say, but in the emotionally charged world of adolescence, suicide can feel romantic. It can be a shout for attention and it can also be revenge. So yes, I I actually agree with the review from Plugged In uh, that this was a well-intentioned show. In fact, after the 13 episodes, they have a Uh, roughly 30 minute documentary that automatically plays at the end of the 13th episode that kind of gives you an insight into the producer and the writers and all the people who are involved the actors uh, and you know kind of detailing what causes suicide and if you have Netflix you can actually go to the 13 Reasons Why uh, listing and without watching it you can click on trailers and more and have access to that a documentary without watching the show. And if you have access to Net- Netflix, I would actually re- recommend that because it gives you some insight into high school students and why some of them choose suicide. I looked up some of the statistics and it's really kind of scary when you see that suicide is the second leading cause of death of young persons aged 15 to 24. The second leading cause. In 2014, 1,668 young people aged 13 to 18 committed suicide. Every day, approximately 105 Americans die by suicide. Every 12.3 minutes, there is a death by suicide in the United States. And every 40 seconds, there is a death by suicide worldwide. It's a scary statistic that so many people are so unhappy with their lives that they choose to take their own lives. But I want to not so much dwell on why Hannah committed suicide, because I think that's what everybody talks about when they talk about this show. I want to talk about some of the other things that I saw on this TV show, and I'm not going to do any clips because watching it once was enough. I didn't mind it for clips. Uh, I hope you can understand the reasons why of that. I don't believe I could watch it again. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this uh, episode solo. I recommended to Tim that he not watch it. Uh, He hadn't even heard of it when I mentioned it to him. And I decided uh, to give him a break this month and we'll start working on next month's podcast uh, for him. But I wanted to do this one really uh, quickly Uh, It's actually Good Friday, the day that I'm recording this episode, a good reminder of what Christ did for us as Christians. It's a solemn weekend for us, uh, one that ends with joy because there is a resurrection after death, Um, but it's um, kind of an interesting day to be talking about this topic. One of the main issues that this TV show draws out, the story, is the nature of bullying today. Now I'm in my 40s and when I went to high school, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have cell phones. We had, uh, notes that were passed around in class and we had rumors a fantastic rumor mill. Uh, kids still found a way to hurt each other, but I don't think it had quite the impact that the media that's available today, uh, grants that kind of bullying in in this day and age. And it's hard for us uh, who grew up in a period of time when the cell phones didn't exist and the internet didn't exist. It's really hard for us to wrap our heads around how horrible the bullying has become. And that was what was a big eye opener for me when I watched this TV show was that I was the subject of bullying all the way pretty much as far back as i can remember in school it didn't start in high school it started in elementary school uh if not before we moved moved around a lot when i was growing up so when i was in a lot of different schools and i was always the new kid and that really made for a lot of um being left out of the popular cliques and the i dressed funny and i talked funny and i was always the the one left, left chosen last, when teams were chosen, you know, those kind of things that uh, impact a a young person's self-image. And I look back on it and it's hard for me to even remember what it was like, but I do remember going home and crying a lot and having to lean on my parents a lot because school was such a terrible place to be. And you put that into the situation that our young people have today where they carry that social environment with them wherever they go it's with them when they go home it's with them when they get up in the morning and check their email and their texts and their messages it's with them every step of their lives they never get away from it it's not just in the halls of the school and the classrooms it's everywhere and they can't get away from it there's no going home and leaning on your parents and putting it behind you for a few hours it's it follows you everywhere you go so when the bullying starts as something as innocent as a picture that shouldn't have been taken, which is how Hannah's uh, journey to suicide started, an innocent picture taken out of context, used to destroy her reputation, and that reputation then just, it just snowballs. It gets worse and worse and worse for her. And some of it is in the way that people treat her, and some of it is how she reacts to the stimuli of the bullying she she lets it get to her instead of letting it uh, come off her back uh, like water off a duck's back she doesn't get over it and i think asking young girls to get out get over it if that's your solution that you're going to give them is it's the wrong one because we we feel as women we feel very wrapped up in the way people see us and our self-image is wrapped around a lot and our reputation and the way we look. And it's even more so for girls, for young girls who are just coming out of puberty, who are still discovering their bodies. And once that foundation is ripped out from under them, a lot of times they have nothing else to lean on. So yes, cyberbullying is really, really bad. And it's something that my generation and possibly even the generation right behind me Uh, those in their 20s and 30s, may not even really understand because that's not the way we were raised. And I didn't get a cell phone until I started work long after I was in college. Um, So I just can't even, I just can't even wrap my mind around that. I also think there's something about our culture that makes it worse these days. I know that in my school days, our culture was already shifting over to a a different way of looking at sex and looking at freedom and and liberty than my parents' generation. And when you look back at the late 60s and early 70s, where there's a lot of uh, make love, not war, you know, that whole hippie culture uh, that, that drove us into the sexual revolution, young people started fighting for their rights to uh, be adults in ways that they really shouldn't have access to. And nowadays, or at least as portrayed in this show, and I, and unfortunately, I think the show was very realistic in the way it shows young people today. Uh, in fact, it's even talked about as if it's just a matter of course in the documentary that followed the show about how uh, young people are exploring their sexuality in high school. And granted, Young people are always exploring their sexuality, but it wasn't an accepted thing. You know, thirty, twenty, thirty 20, 30 years ago, uh, it was an accepted thing that you just, girls were going to have sex with boys and uh, ex- explore their sexuality in ways that simply was not available or very much frowned upon in uh, prior to my generation. And I think that that sexual explore- exploration does lead to exploitation. And if we're in a culture that thinks it's so normal to have sex and to explore that with, with random boys, just because you like them, uh, it does leave these young girls open to a level of exploitation that drives away their innocence way too soon. And this is this is the culture that our young people are being raised in now. They're being raised in... A culture that normalizes this kind of sexual uh, exploration and exploitation. And granted, they're going to say rape and sexual assault is wrong. But now it's all about consent. Oh, you got to make sure she means it when she says yes uh, or no. And quite honestly, I don't think they're mature enough. At least our high school students, our 16 to 18 year olds, 15 to 18 year olds, are not mature enough to make those kind of Decisions or choices or judgment calls. And I think we need to go back to a culture that basically frowns on it across the board. You know, if sex isn't okay. Sex isn't that kind of sexual exploration is just not okay at that age. You need to grow up first. And that's on the parents. I'm sorry, it's on our culture and it's on our parents that we are allowing kids, that we somehow think it's normal for kids to be uh, distracted um, by sexual matters in school. It just shouldn't even be there. And maybe I'm a prude, but I think a lot of what happened to poor Hannah in the story could have been completely avoided by a culture that frowns on sexual exploration in young people, especially before marriage. Another thing that really comes out in the show is access to drugs and alcohol. There were several characters that spent a lot of time stoned and drinking long before the proper age for doing so, if there there even, even is a proper age for doing so. And according to our culture, that is 21, and all of the kids in this were under 21. So they shouldn't have been having access to any of this stuff, even from our cultural and legal standpoint. But the number one thing that I want to talk about in this podcast is permissive parenting. It really surprised me because as I went through the 13 episodes, I was really surprised how each of the the young persons that she targets for her, her reasons why she commits suicide, each of them is dealing with their own problems. And at least two thirds of those individuals were in those problems because of their parents, because of the way their parents were parenting including Hannah. And so I just wanted to talk about permissive parenting for a little while. It's something that we've dealt with on our podcast before because it's amazing how much of what we see in our cultural entertainment uh, portrays parenting, good and bad. And this show, I think, does a really good job of showing the consequences of bad parenting. And that we have to point these kind of fingers, is saddening in our culture because it, it says a lot about why our kids are so messed up. And maybe it's because my generation, the generation of the parents of these teens, maybe we're messed up too. And we know that we're all sinners, but we live in a culture that glorifies sin. And we live in a culture that demonizes an attitude that Put structure and consequences on sin. And so, as Christians, we're the ones who stand up and say, Hey, 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 we shouldn't be doing that. That's sin. And the culture's saying you're a bigot for saying such things. So, let's point some fingers at our culture, but let's point some fingers at the parenting. So, I'm just going to run down a list of some of these. Uh, Like I said, if you want to go back to the Wikipedia article, um, to see who all of these people are and how they fit into the story i 'm going to name names here, but you' if you haven't seen the show, uh, you might not quite understand how they fit into this. Uh, justin is the f- number one reason uh, the f- the first tape is to justin uh, he's a he's a boy that um, is kind of popular in school, and the girls really like him because he 's good looking and he seems to be uh, very cavalier and and popular. You find out throughout the story that his mother is something of a drug addict, and that she has an an abusive boyfriend who lives and lives with her in their apartment. Um, Justin is forced to flee the apartment because he and her his mother's boyfriend do not get along and he spends a lot of time at his the house of his rich buddy Bryce, who is the captain of the basketball team, and uh Bryce gives him access to drugs and alcohol. And he basically drowns his sorrows, a lot of times hiding out at Bryce's house. So Justin really doesn't have any parents that take care of him. He leans very much on the buddy system, um, on the guys that he plays sports with uh, and his friends at school. Uh, They get him into trouble quite a bit. But part of that is because he relies on them heavily because he has no parents looking out for him. So Justin... The, the vast majority of his problems come from the fact that he has no parents taking care of him, that even care where he is most of the time. Alex is another uh, individual. He's actually, I believe, number three. Uh, his dad, as you find out further on, is a cop. There's a scene in the series where Alex has uh, kind of kidnapped Clay with a couple of the other boys and they're trying to scare Clay into staying quiet about the things he's hearing on the tapes and Alex gets behind the wheel of a car and drives 90 down a straight road which is not way over the speed limit and he just he just kind of like gets tunnel vision and he just keeps driving and he's going really fast and all of the boys in the the car telling him to stop and then there is you know the cop's you know, suddenly come out of nowhere and pull him over. And it turns out that it's his dad and his dad gives him threats and warnings and, but then never gives him a ticket, never forces him to, uh, deal with the consequences of his actions. He just lets him go. And then on top of that, near the end of the TV show, uh, all of the kids that were on the tapes, the Hannah's parents find a list with all of their names. And so they, they're suing the school and they actually have the lawyers depose all of the kids on the list and Alex's name is on that list and so when the court order comes for him to be for his deposition um, his father tells him that he's going to pull some strings and get him out of it so here is an instance that uh, his father seems to be a good authority figure but he doesn't he draws lines that and he never enforces them. He never lets there be any consequences for Alex's actions. And Alex, you know, is very respectful. He says, yes, sir, no, sir, to his dad. And never has the opportunity to re- really connect with his dad. But his dad also never holds him responsible for any of his actions. Now, Courtney uh, is an interesting character because until you until she comes up on the tapes, you don't even see her as uh, being someone who's going to be a problem. She seems to be one of the popular, cheerful, uh, sweet girls that everybody likes at school. And you find out that it's somewhat of a facade, as is as is usually the case for most high school students. They usually build a lot of facades and walls. It turns out that Courtney has uh, two dads. Her dads are gay. She's adopted. And it actually comes out in a discussion between Courtney and Clay later on after her tape comes up. That she has serious identity issues because of the way she was raised by gay parents. She doesn't have a mother to turn to for girly things. She has two dads. And on top of that, she is dealing with the fact that most people expect her to be gay herself. And she actually, the behavior that gets her put on a tape by Hannah is that she experimented kissing with Hannah. And um, so there was a little lesbian behavior there that got caught as a picture and nobody could identify the people in the picture. And Courtney basically blames Hannah for it and in order to cast the blame away from her. So Courtney has a lot of identity issues because of the way she was raised. And, And I've actually seen some interesting articles from people raised in homosexual homes. And I don't think it's good for children. I think they do need a mother and a father, not two fathers or two mothers, and God ordained our family for a reason, for the healthy raising of children, if nothing else. I don't think that homosexual couples are good at raising healthy children because they do not have the proper balance of genders. A, A girl needs her mom, and a boy needs his dad, and and a girl needs her dad and a boy needs his mom. So they just, they need both, unfortunately. And that causes serious identity issues that you see portrayed very well in Courtney. And I will tell you, this this TV show is not saying anything bad about homosexuality. But I think just in the way they present the story, it's obvious there are issues there. I, I don't think you can get away from them. Even, be, even trying not uh, to say anything bad about that lifestyle, it is it is unfortunate fact that children raised by homosexual parents are missing one of the genders, either a mom or a dad that is necessary to their balanced upbringing. Bryce is number 12 on the, the tape list. He actually never listens to the tape because Clay bypasses him. Uh, Clay was supposed to pass the tapes on to Bryce after he finished listening to them, but he, he doesn't. Um, Bryce is an interesting character in that he seems to be the most popular guy at school. Everybody loves him. He's uh, got perfect sports record. He's the basketball team captain. Uh, He's good looking. He's rich. Uh, He has everything going for him. And then you find out as you get to the end of the tapes that Bryce is raping girls. And those are the two rapes that you see. One of them is to uh, Hannah's friend. And the other one is to Hannah. And uh, both both of them are raped by Bryce. And uh, both of them are scared to come forward because Bryce is so incredibly popular. They don't think anybody would believe them if they said that Bryce raped them. Why I bring Bryce up is because you never see his parents ever in the TV show. He has this big, beautiful house. It's got a pool and a hot tub and a pool house. And he's obviously got lots of money. He, he deals drugs. He has alcohol, free access to alcohol. And you never see a parent, ever, father or mother. There's never a parent home. He ha- always has the house to himself. When he's asked, he says his parents are on vacation or out traveling or whatever. So this is a, a young man who has absolutely no influence from his parents. No discipline, uh, no boundaries, nothing. And he is completely out of control. Zach is another young man that is one of the reasons why Hannah commits suicide. And it comes out that he is one of Bryce's buddies. He's sport on the basketball team. Um, uh, he has an extremely dominating mother. You never see the father. So he may be, may not have a father, but his mother pretty much takes control of things to the detriment of her son. Sometimes at his urging not to, um, I think she from the way they present her that she's one of those parents who my son can never be at fault. It's always find someone else to blame things on. So Zach has a helicopter parent and it affects the way he treats other people as well. Hannah's parents now Hannah's the girl that commits suicide and one of the things that they bring out in the show even though she doesn't list her parents as one of the reasons why she commits suicide her parents seem to have a great deal to do with it because the way this story is put together is you see the events that drove her to her suicide sandwiched with the events of what happens after her suicide so you're seeing things in the current time from clay's point of view as he's listening to the tapes and when he's listening to the tapes you're getting a recap of what happened to hannah um, prior to her suicide, so you're seeing two stories sandwiched together, and in the past, you are seeing that Hannah's parents are very self absorbed in their uh, pharmacy. That they have they own a little drug store that is slowly being driven out of business by uh, a big store called Walplex, which is uh, obviously a stand in for Walmart. Unfortunately, um, Walplex is driving them out of business, and they have a lot of money problems and. They're arguing about money all the time. And whenever Hannah comes home, she has is kind of a silent, invisible uh, witness to what's going on between her parents. And her mom is there for her. Her mom cares about where she is. Her mom talks to her and, and gives her quality time. But when her mom and dad are together, uh, they're not really noticing Hannah. And when Hannah's having issues, having problems, she feels invisible to her parents and she doesn't want to add to their stress and their problems. And so she doesn't share with them what's going on in her life. And because of that, they, sh- it shows how parents can get so absorbed, absorbed in what's going on between them in the merit in their marriage and in their financial lives that they kind of neglect their children They don't really understand or they don't even hold their children accountable because there were a couple times where Hannah did something wrong and her parents just let her off the hook because it wasn't as big a deal as what was going on with their store and with their financial lives. And the fact that they'd had to sell one house to buy another house they could afford and now it looked like they were going to have to sell their business and there was just all these things going on. And finally, Clay's parents. Now, the thing about Clay's parents is that of all of the parents portrayed in this TV show, I really think that Clay's parents are the best. Um, They notice what's going on. Clay is definitely having issues. They don't know what's causing it. He won't talk to them. They communicate with each other about their concerns. They plan together what the consequences are going to be for Clay's actions they back each other up they give clay boundaries like at one point in the tv show they tell him that he can no longer close his door they want to be able to see into his room at all times Um, and when he disappears like he walks out of school one day and and goes off with a friend and uh, when they find out that he's not at school they panic looking for him And granted, this is a period of time where Hannah's already committed suicide, and so they're concerned about how that's impacting their son. And as I've already stated, the statistics are that where there's one suicide, more will follow. And so they're concerned about their son, and they are taking steps. and. In all of that, I still saw some issues because they would set boundaries. And then when he would cross those boundaries, there would be no consequences for that. And that's one of the things that I see, especially in our millennial generation. We we talk about the millennials and how bad they are. But part of the reason that they are so bad is because nobody holds them accountable for their actions. People draw lines in the sand and when they cross them, there's no consequences. And... That's where our premise of parenting is driving our young people. They need boundaries. In fact, there's several times where Clay asks to be grounded, and they don't do it. They don't ground him. And I think Hannah actually asks to be grounded at one point. So our children are crying out for boundaries. They're crying out for consequences for their actions so that they know what they can and can't do and what they can and can't get away with. And... Unfortunately, our permissive parenting allows them to cross over into dangerous territory. And that's what we see with all of the young people portrayed in the story. They're crossing over into dangerous territory and there's nobody looking out for them. And nobody telling them this is wrong. Stop. The consequences of all this bad parenting are extremely grim. Hannah commits suicide. She slits her wrists and bleeds to death in a tub of water. It's horrible. She, she didn't have anyone to turn to when she needed to, when she needed somebody, and she, she didn't have anyone. At the end of everything, Alex attempts a suicide. He tries to shoot himself in the head, and he's in critical condition in the hospital at the end of the story. Clay thinks about suicide. There's one instance in the TV show where he actually threatens to throw himself off a cliff. He is so emotionally wrought by what he hears on these tapes that it it destroys him. But he has a good pa- family and he has good friends that look out for him. So he doesn't actually attempt anything, but he does threaten it. Tyler is the scariest one of all. Because when they show him at the end of the show, you find out that he's hoarding firearms. He's the school photographer. He takes pictures of everybody and he has photo evidence of everything that's gone on and he's hoarding firearms and he has pictures of everyone involved in the tapes hanging where no one can see them and you see him remove alex's picture uh at the end because alex has attempted suicide so they kind of build it up as being tyler could be one of those you know crazy kids who grab you know walks into a school with a bunch of firearms and starts picking out targets and they don't go there with the show, but they definitely leave the door open for it. They they imply it. Now, all of that to say that the the this is a, a boiling pot of mess. All of these kids are being forced to, most of them being forced to find their own boundaries and create their own consequences for their actions because they don't have good parenting at home. And when they go to school, the school's pretty much hands-off as well. And so they hurt each other. And kids hurt each other anyway. It's That's as old as school. Kids find a way to hurt each other. And so it just creates this pot of mess, this boiling mess that they all fall into. And it And it's Hannah that is hurt, but in the long run it's all of them because they all have to live with the consequences of what happened. Now, from a biblical worldview, you knew I was going to get into that because I I address everything from a biblical worldview. At least I try to. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but I try to see this from a biblical worldview. And when I was watching the show, the parenting definitely leaped out at me because the Bible has a lot to say about parenting. Um, you know, the, there's the Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's Proverbs 22, 9. Um, we all know the spare the rod and spoil the child saying. That comes from Proverbs twenty-three thirteen through 14. And that's a really bad paraphrase, actually. The actual verse says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. So the, the "spare the rod, spoil the child" is is kind of a paraphrase, and I think the scripture is definitely correct that when you withhold discipline from a child, um, that you're damning him really, and it's it's sad because we have gotten so far away from the the concept of true discipline that our children are just out of control. So. We, we should lean on the promises of Scripture in that instance, because it is true that, that removing discipline from a child's life leaves them open to horrible things. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that is, indeed, the real answer to teen suicide. It's bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I'm not saying that teens brought up in Christian homes are not going to commit suicide. But those who know the Lord are not. When I look back at my own childhood upbringing, in fact, when I give my testimony, uh, one of the things I tell everybody is that when I was in school growing up, Jesus Christ was my best friend. He had to be because I didn't have any friends other than him. And I could lean on him. And I know theologians would cringe to hear me say that because we're not supposed to call God our friend we fear him and love him as our heavenly father but but to call him your friend that's treading on dangerous ground from a theological standpoint but from a child's viewpoint of god sometimes that there is that need for a friend that you can trust for for the friend who gave his life for you and gave you a hope that is beyond the hardships of this life in proverbs Twenty four thirteen through 14, it says, My son, eat honey, for it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. Meaning wisdom is like sweet honeycomb to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Um, I think that that's kind of what it means to be brought up in the instruction of the Lord, that you have the wisdom that comes to you through Christ and the Holy Spirit. And be, and when you know, when you have that wisdom in your very soul, then it gives you a future and a hope that your present circumstances are not going to mess up. And I always think about Paul, who had so many things going for him before he became a Christian. Uh, in Philippians 3, uh, 4b through 11, he says, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And you're like, why does that have to do with teen suicide? My point here is, is that when we are Christians, when we truly have Christ in our life, the Things that we count as fleshly, what people think about us, whether we're wearing the right clothes, whether we have enough money, whether we go to the right school, all of those things are, as Paul says, rubbish because our true confidence comes in Christ. And if we have Christ as our foundation, then it doesn't matter what people think of us. Oh, granted, what they think about us, the hurtful things they say will sting, but they bounce off a lot easier when we have a confidence in Christ that can't be shaken. And that's one of the reasons that I think being a Christian is so helpful in those circumstances because we know as followers of Christ that we're going to face persecution. It comes, it's a given, it comes with the territory. And so that kind of helps us put that persecution in perspective. And Christ was persecuted to the point of the cross And it's his resurrection that we have hope in. It's his eternity that he gave us that we have hope in. And that helps us deal with the slings and arrows of high school life, you might say, of whatever trial or tribulation we're going through. In fact, in James, James is the brother of Jesus, and he saw a lot of persecution when he uh, became a follower of Christ. He starts out his book, the, 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 his epistle that he wrote and is included in the scripture count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing that's James 1, 2-4 through 4. that is the amazing promise of being a Christian that we can endure hardship and it just makes us stronger and without that shield, without that armor that we have through Christ, we're we can't we can't on our own earthly confidence we cannot stand up against abuse. And to be honest, when you look at what our kids go through in school today, if you look at Thirteen Reasons Why and you see what Hannah went through, if she had had Christ in her life, none of that would have mattered. She would not have been driven to suicide. And we can talk about all of the problems and all of the the issues and we can cu- try to come up with counseling and all kinds of things to help these kids get through. But the only sure sure method is for them to know Christ, to be raised in a good, solid Christian home with parents who care and to have Christ in their lives. And granted, that's not going to be possible for every kid. And so... We have to take the next steps. We have to be the ones with our eyes open and looking for the children who need our help. So the most sobering thing about Hannah's story is number 13, her 13th reason. And that reason was the school counselor, Mr. Porter. After Hannah had recorded the 12 reasons leading up to uh, her rape, her, her rape by Bryce was her final 12th reason, She had gotten it all off of her back. She had talked it all out to tapes. She was starting to feel a little lighter, a little better. She wanted to give life another try. And so she decided to look for help. Instead of committing suicide, she decided to go for help. And she took the tape recorder and she took the mic and she went in with it running to Mr. Porter's office to ask for help. And that session did not go well. In fact, because she was unwilling to give him the name of the boy that raped her, he basically told her her only other option was to get over it, to get on with her life and get on with whatever she needed to do. He basically gave her permission to commit suicide. And she left his office, put her things in order, and slit her wrists. So as those of us who are parents and those of us who work with young people, we have to be conscious of what the kids around us are doing and we have to know what the signs are so that we can be there when they need us to be and we need to know what to say and we need to know how to help them because quite frankly I think that Mr. Porter had a chance of stopping Hannah in this story and he didn't do it so that one's on us folks those of us who are adults in the lives of these young people that's the reason why I wanted to do this podcast, because I wanted to remind all of us, especially those of us who see teens, I only see them once or twice a week, but I'm still someone that they can look to for help, and I need to be prepared for that. So you, if your parents especially, or if you work with young people, please go to the show notes or do your own research, one or the other. I'm listing some statistics about teen suicide and some websites that have some good information about suicide. I highly encourage you to look it up to do some research. Know the number. Um, the number for if you're wanting if you're contemplating suicide, this is the the number to call. It's 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Uh, that's the the suicide hotline. But I just want to leave you with that, that uh, suicide is not the answer. And hopefully those of us who are older and wiser know that for a fact, but for the young people, hopefully we can be there for them. I will also post a couple Christian websites uh, Christian rep- websites and articles on suicide and Christianity, the sanctity of life. It's important that we continue to keep a biblical worldview on what suicide is Uh, According to God's law, it is murder. It's self-murder and murder is wrong. Uh, Anything that ends the life of an image bearer of God uh, is wrong. But there is, uh, like any sin, there is forgiveness for that. And so I pray that you will take some time, do some research, look up uh, the articles that I have listed, but also do your own research and find out more about teen suicide. This this Watching this show, even as graphic as it was, and it's usually something that I don't put myself through, but because my teen girls are watching it, I wanted to see what it was about, and I wanted to expose myself to what they're seeing and they're living with because the vast majority of the girls I work with go to public school. This is the environment that they're in, and I need to know that so that I can help them, that I can be there to help them. If you would like to uh, comment on this show or on my review of the show, uh, definitely go to our show notes, which are at com slash 69. You can call us and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. You can email feedback at com. I do encourage you to join our Facebook discussion group. It, uh, you do have to ask to join. it as a private group, but... Uh, you can get the link from our show notes, or you can go to Facebook and look up Are You Just Watching and look for a group. You will be invited in if you ask to join. It's just a technicality to keep it private. Please subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Eve, at Eve Franklin, and Tim is at renshipley which is R-E-N-C-H-E-P-L-E. Once again, I do ask that you consider supporting us on Patreon just to keep this podcast going. And I thank you so much for your kind listening, uh, especially on this topic. I hope that this has been a valuable episode and that you will come back and listen to our more upbeat episodes to come. This is Eve Franklin. Thank you so much for listening. And don't just watch are you just watching as a proud member of the noodle mix network at noodle.mx our main vocal talent was thanks to mariah the theme song is used courtesy of answers and genesis for more great podcasts like this one visit the noodle mix network at noodle.mx that's noodle.mx